Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble. After 10 years at the helm, Benjamin Netanyahu's re-election hopes have taken a knock after Israel's Attorney General said he plans to indict the Prime Minister for bribery. Shona Jenkins discusses what impact this will have on next month's vote with Mahul Srivastava in Tel Aviv. Mahul, can you tell us what Israel's Attorney General said and could you give us the details of the alleged bribery? The Attorney General on Thursday sent a letter to the Prime Minister detailing his intent to indict Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu on charges of corruption. The exact charges are bribery in one case and breach of trust and fraud in three separate cases. The evidence that he's collected appears to show the Prime Minister receiving expensive champagne and uh, Cuban cigars from friends and then doing favors for them immediately when he received them. And then the charge of bribery comes from a very complicated case which involves regulatory benefits that were given to a telecom company that also owned a online website. And the evidence shows that the Prime Minister cared a lot what this uh, website said And so he would call them and have them change headlines or uh, repeat stories about his achievements. In exchange, Bezek, the telecom major, got about half a billion dollars in regulatory benefits from him. I guess we should underline that these are all allegations at this stage. How has Mr. Netanyahu reacted? Well, these announcements were long expected. And the prime minister had spent quite some time preparing his right-wing base for the fact that he would either be indicted or be informed of an intention to be indicted before the elections took place. He has painted them as a result of a vast left-wing conspiracy to dislodge his right-wing government that's been in power for about 10 years. And he still remains incredibly popular. The argument that he makes is that there was no bribery, that there was no fraud or breach of trust. These were normal relationships between the prime minister and his friends and prime minister and billionaires who own telecoms companies. He's vehemently denied the allegations, and he's made it very clear that he's not going to step down anytime soon. So, Mahul, could you tell us what has been the wider reaction in Israel to the news of Mr. Netanyahu's impending indictment? The polls are seesawing every day. Even after the details of the indictment were unveiled, the prime minister gained a few seats. So the impact that this has on the election remains completely unclear. The right wing here is convinced by Mr. Netanyahu's argument that this is not something for them to worry about, that this is a conspiracy that the prime minister will eventually vanquish or topple because of his leadership skills and his innocence, I suppose. On the left wing and on the center, where you have a center-left alliance called the Blue and White Party making a quick ascent towards the top of the polls, this has enlivened the opposition, which until now did not have the kind of ammunition it needed to pose a credible challenge to Prime Minister Netanyahu's premiership. So it's become a proper race as compared earlier when there was no indication that there would be a serious challenge to the Prime Minister's re-election. Can you tell us a bit more about Mr Netanyahu's main rival, Benny Gantz? You've said that the issue of the indictments has galvanised the election. Is Mr Gantz a serious challenger? So until a few weeks ago, Mr. Gantz appeared to be the latest in a row of challengers who showed up and gained a few seats because of the hunger in this country for a new center-left opposition party, but never coming close to claiming the prime minister's mantle. But this time around, because Mr. Gantz himself is a retired general, he used to be the chief of the army staff, and he's gathered two other retired chiefs of army staff and has paired up with a centrist party called Yeshatid. He has captured a significant part of the vote and a significant part of the momentum and the attention that a politician like him seeks at a time like this. But Mr. Gantz has no political background at all. The Israeli government requires 
a three or four year cooling off period after he retire from the military before he can enter politics. And this is his first showing. But so far, it looks like he may beat Likud's uh, tally for about 30 seats in parliament by quite a few. He may be given the first chance to form a coalition. It isn't clear whether the rest of the parliament will fall into place to allow that to happen. Can you explain a bit about Mr. Gantz's policies and how they differ from those of Mr. Netanyahu? Mr. Gantz, because he's a centrist candidate and he's arguing that he can be centrist and strong in security, his platform, which is yet to be unveiled, is rather vague. It is ambivalent on the question of a two-state solution. It does emphasize the, the requirement for what they call separation from the Palestinians, which means more walls or perhaps a serious border. He has not made his economic policies clear so far, and he does pledge allegiance to the idea that Jerusalem should never be divided into an East and West Jerusalem for a possible future state for the Palestinians. It's unlikely that his positions will include anything very surprising because this is very much a middle-of-the-road candidate who's trying to capture some of the right-wing vote that's dissatisfied with Mr. Netanyahu or is worried about his legal problems. Could Mr. Netanyahu fight back, for instance, with the help of the religious right parties? So the battle is broken off into two clear categories. The legal battle, which is three or four years long. He has not even been indicted yet. He would present his defense in 30 days or maybe two or three months, depending on if he asks for an extension. He would only be indicted after that. The trial wouldn't even begin till next year. But the political battle is right now. And because this country is so divided along party lines, it's still clear that there is a possible majority of right-wing parties which will ally with Mr. Netanyahu to make sure that Mr. Gantz or the left wing doesn't manage a way into power. So Mr. Netanyahu is not a vanquished political force just yet. He has significant support amongst the right wing, and the right wing is almost a majority in this country. So it's a very interesting dilemma the prime minister found himself in. In Israel, there is a threshold of 3.25% of the national vote that's required before a party is allowed into parliament. If they don't make the threshold, then those votes are equally redistributed. Because the right wing here is so fractured, there's a possibility that two smaller parties, while attracting right wing votes, wouldn't result in right wing seats in parliament. The prime minister brokered an alliance between two extreme right wing parties. One of them is very staunchly anti-Arab and clearly quite racist, just to allow them to cross this threshold. In exchange, they may be offered a ministership. Could the inclusion by Mr. Netanyahu of more extreme elements on the political spectrum affect his ability to attract moderate voters? And could this in turn help Mr. Gantz? Yes, this is something that has appalled a lot of Mr. Netanyahu's traditional allies, including columnists and commentators in America who remain quite influential here in Israel. And it also repulses voters who consider themselves center-right because the racism is something that they would find unacceptable in a government that they vote for. The likelihood that these people will end up voting for Mr. Gantz becomes real when coupled with the fact that the prime minister has led this assault on the judiciary and the institutions that center-right urban-educated voters are not necessarily comfortable with. So while electorally, in terms of the political math of the parliament, this is a very interesting decision for the prime minister to make. It will have unintended costs and consequences. So what actually happens if Mr. Netanyahu is indicted? The issue is, if he's indicted, will the Likud or his coalition allies allow him to continue as prime minister were he to be even able to create a coalition? I mean, that takes Israel into uncharted territory. No sitting prime minister has ever been indicted in this country. Ehud Olmert, who served about 16 months in prison, had resigned 
a few weeks before the indictment was unveiled. The Prime Minister has made it very clear that he wants to fight this all the way through while taking advantage of the fact that he's in office at the same time. But I suspect, and analysts here have predicted, that were he to be indicted, Likud would eventually force him to step down, making the argument that he should go focus on his legal issues rather than divide his attention between the court battle and the country's needs. Plus, there is a strong wing in the Likud that's waiting for an opportunity to take over Mr. Netanyahu. So it's not unlikely that were he to be indicted, he'd be so weakened, he'd be susceptible to a palace coup. So with the election fast approaching, it's on April 9th, it looks like it's going to be a very turbulent time in Israeli politics. I mean, Israeli politics has always been a very raucous and wild, feisty affair. And this is turning out to be one of the most exciting elections that anybody in Israel has seen for a long time. Prime Minister Netanyahu has towered over this country for the last 10 years as premier, but for the last 30 years of his political career. It now appears that he's facing a real challenge, not just to his political destiny, but also to his personal freedom, while dealing with a concerted opposition. So this will turn out to be a very exciting election, but more importantly, it will decide the future of Benjamin Netanyahu. That was Shona Jenkins talking to Mahul Srivastava in Tel Aviv. We'll be back with another news feature tomorrow. In the meantime, if you're not already a subscriber and would like to discover more FT content, do take a look at our latest subscription offer at ft.com forward slash offer. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.